Thank you for taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. got a Bible, you can turn to Psalm, you can open to Psalm 103. We are starting a new series today called From the Heart, From the Heart. We're just looking at the songs and the prayers of God's people in the past. And I love the Psalms. It's, it's, it's a part of the Bible that honestly, when I first became a Christian, I didn't appreciate that much. But over time, since I've been sort of walking with Jesus in this last little while, uh, I've just come to appreciate it and I appreciate it for its honesty. You see people in in the book as they write, as they express all that they're going through and they're just, they're just open with God. They're, they're sharing with God what, what they're feeling, their sense sometimes that he is he is not there or, or, or feeling betrayed by friends or just a struggle of wondering, am I going to survive the night when you read a lot of the Psalms that David has written as people are chasing him and, and trying to harm him, or even Psalm 51, where he expresses his his brokenness over his sin. I just love the honesty. And and I appreciate the Psalms because they teach us the power of prayer. That we are called to pray, to share all that we're feeling in our heart to the Lord, and that we actually have his ear, that he is really listening to us and that he will respond in his good timing. The the, the Psalms also teach us about God's sovereignty. When you read it over and over, you'll see the psalmist, they're saying that the Lord who made heaven and earth, the, the one who rules over all, the one who is our shepherd, that he is, he is providentially guiding all things, that he is with us at all times. And the, the psalms also show us the, the ups and downs of life. I love that. The Bible doesn't hide from us the fact that, the, that life sometimes is hard, that we live in a world that is broken by sin. And so sometimes there's real struggle. There's moments where we don't honestly know what God is doing. And we can throw Christian cliches if we want, but the truth is there are times where it's just, it's just tough. We're confused. Life has all kinds of ups and downs and the Psalms does not hide that. And so we are going to look at Psalm 103. We're going to look at this psalm for three weeks. Again, this series is called From the Heart. So we're going to do this for three weeks. And uh, last week, I was out on my bike, and I was, and I was riding around the, the lake that is close to our house, just trying to get some exercise and get out the house a little bit. And I rode past three people. And the thing I noticed about all three of them was all of them were talking to themselves. They were all, and honestly, I was like, this is kind of weird. Like, I looked back at the one guy, and I was staring at him for long, and then he, he caught me, so I just kind of turned quickly. But he's just talking to himself, and I, and I thought it was weird. But talking to yourself is actually not that weird. It's not that weird if you're saying the right things to yourself. This is actually something that we see in Scripture. This is something we're going to see in this psalm, this idea of talking to your own soul. Elizabeth Bernstein, she, a writer for the Wall Street Journal, she said, 
this. She said, self-talk is what happens when you make yourself the target of your own comments, advice, or reminders. It's having a conversation with yourself. She calls what, what we're going to see David do here in Psalm 103. She calls this self-talk, a conversation with yourself. This is what he's doing. And what he tells himself here are, are the things we can tell ourselves every day. We're going to see Den, uh, David review the benefits that have come into his life because he has a relationship with God. And here's the thing. When we review the benefits of God, when we review all that has come into our life because of our faith in Jesus Christ, when we review those things, it leads to the praise of God. When we review the benefits of God, it leads to the praise of God. And so we're going to walk through verses 1 to 5 together. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's living, that it's active, that it's sharp, Lord. That it, that it exposes our hearts to us, but also that it gives comfort. God, I, I appreciate your word so much for the fact that, yes, sometimes it cuts deep, but there's always a comfort along with your word as we see the hope that we have in Jesus Christ as we're reminded of all that you're doing from your word. I pray, Lord, uh, with my brothers and sisters that we would all be praying right now, Lord, that you would speak to us, that we would believe we're going to hear from you. And Father, that your word would be a light and a lamp, God, to our feet and our path. Help us, we pray, Lord. Fill us with your spirit as we listen and give us a desire to to walk in obedience to what is said here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Psalm 103, verse 1 says, of David, says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. This word blessed, it means to, to express gratitude, a joyful gratitude to God for what he has done. It's really to praise God. Some translations trans, translate it that way, to, to praise God for the fact that he is real, to praise God for the fact that he is working, what he is doing in our life and what he promises to do. The, the word soul is actually parallel to the phrase all that is within me. And that's because David is telling his whole being, he says, I want every part of me to praise God, to be caught up in this praise of the one who is worthy. And notice that the the praise of God is focused on the name of God. David's praise is focused on God's name. He says, bless his holy name. Now, one of my closest boys from high school, his name is Sean Fisher. Him and I are still good friends now. We actually hung out a couple months ago back when there were sports on TV watching the, the Super Bowl. And, and Sean is, is my good, good friend. He's my boy. But telling you that his name is Sean Fisher doesn't tell you all that much about him. Doesn't tell you anything, really. But that's not the case with the name of God. See, the name of God, God's name reveals his nature. God's name reveals all of his actions. And the the attribute here, holy, speaks of the fact of the uniqueness of everything about God. And the word Lord, if you notice it in the text, it's in all caps. Well, that's the way our Bibles translate God's covenant name, Yahweh. And that name speaks of God's 
faithfulness. It speaks of the fact that God never fails his people. It speaks of the fact that God keeps his word. It speaks of the fact that we as a people can trust God completely. And it, and it reminds us that all of the blessing in our life all come from him and him alone. Shannon and I were going back and forth this week about the message and he said this and I thought I'll just put it in the message because it was so good. He says, he says, the God who bestows benefits and blessings on his people is worthy to be blessed himself. You hear that? He is worthy to be blessed himself. Amen, Shay. The next time you see Shayon, I want you to just, just yell at him, preach, because that is accurate. He is worthy to be blessed himself. God is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our trust because he will, and you got to hear this, he will never, say it with me, he will never fail us. He will never fail in any of his promises. And David is calling his soul to praise God, but sometimes it's hard to praise God. The praise of God isn't always easy. Blessing the Lord doesn't always come natural, especially when we're dealing with disappointment, especially when there's a good desire in our heart that is not being met at the moment. And I know some of us, we have, we have good desires and we're wondering, why hasn't God met that desire yet? When there's fear and anxiety, when we're worried about the future, when we're worried about what may come next, when we're anxious and we're not sure, it's hard to praise God. When there's unexplained suffering, when, there's, when, the, when it just feels like it just keeps coming and coming and coming. And again, I know from talking with some of you this week that this is a reality for, in some of your life. There's just unexplained suffering and you're thinking, why is this continuing like that and it's hard to praise God but in those moments what this psalm teaches us to do it teaches us to talk to ourselves more than we listen to ourselves talk to ourselves talk to our soul David talks to himself and he does that because he wants to focus on God he doesn't want his eyes on his circumstances that are always changing. He doesn't want his focus there. He wants his focus on God and all that God has done in his life, all that God promises to do and all that God will do in the future. And that's why he says, bless the Lord. Verse 2, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. When we remember the benefits of God, praise flows. But you know what? Protection also comes to us. Protection also comes to us in 2 Chronicles 32 verse 25 says, but Hezekiah did not make a return according to the benefit done to him for his heart was proud. Hezekiah drifted into pride. All there, there were some good things that God brought to his life, but he forgot those things. He forgot who brought it to him because of his pride. Deuteronomy 8 says, you shall bless the Lord your uh, your God for the for the good land that He has given you. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments and His rules and His statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are and and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then you what your heart be lifted up. 
this 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 remind this verse is saying to the this this passage is saying to the, the people in in Israel, God is going to bring you into a good land, and you're going to have some success. There's things are going to multiply. The success is going to be in abundance. But when it happens, don't let your heart be lifted up. And you forget the Lord. See, when your heart, when pride comes, you forget the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. There's this forgetting of God. Success can be dangerous. That's what the scriptures is teaching us. That success sometimes can be dangerous. And then when we have success, what we are to do is we are to keep our eyes open for pride. Again, aware that this thing could creep in and that we could totally forget about the Lord and what he has done. And when pride comes, trouble comes. When pride comes, trouble comes. Verse, Proverbs eleven two says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. When there's pride, nothing good is coming to us. See, it's hard to be prideful when you're praising God. It's hard to be full of pride and thinking that it's all uh, the things that are in your life are because of you when you're busy praising the one who you know has brought it all to you. And so David talks to his soul. He, re he reviews the benefit benefits package we have all received when we believed in Jesus Christ and when we joined his mission in the world. David actually tells himself five things. And these are the five things we can tell ourselves every day. Here's the first one. The Lord forgives us. The Lord forgives us. It says, bless the Lord, verse two, O my soul and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquity. The first thing that David praises God for is for forgiveness. And he, he does this because of all the things, forgiveness is the most important. Of all the things that he's going to praise God for, this benefit matters more than anything else. See, in forgiveness, what is happening is we're experiencing the grace of God. And we're experiencing the grace of God because the Son of God took the wrath of God in our place. Our doctrinal statement, we have, uh, we have this statement about Jesus. He says, we believe that G the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures as the substitutionary atonement in our place. And that salvation is found in none other than Jesus Christ. You, you cannot be saved outside of Jesus Christ. Before creation, God chose those who would be saved and granted this unearned grace solely based on his sovereign good pleasure. Jesus Christ's death on the cross was for the soul and complete payment for sins, fully satisfying God's righteous wrath for each person. This is important. For each person who turns from their from sin in repentance and places their faith in Christ alone by grace alone. We experience the forgiveness of God because the son of God took the wrath of God in our place. And when we are forgiven, when we are truly forgiven, when we experience forgiveness, we are actually then truly blessed. See, lots of people will try to tell you that you're, you're, you're blessed if you have possessions or if you have a certain job or if you're with a cer certain person. But to, to truly be blessed is to be forgiven. Watch this. Psalm 32, verse 1 says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered. 
Blessed, say it with me, blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts what? No iniquity. Same word, no iniquity. That you are, you are truly blessed when you've experienced the forgiveness of God, when you've been welcomed into the family of God. We are truly then blessed. And here's how this text speaks to the non-Christian. It, it tells the non-Christian that, that believing in Jesus is the way into blessing. That you may have everything that you've ever wanted in your life and you're feeling like, I'm good. But the reality is that without this, without forgiveness, you are not truly blessed. But today, by placing your faith in Jesus Christ, by believing in him, you can be saved, you can be blessed, you can be welcomed into the family of God, and change can begin happening in your life right now. Forgiveness, that, that word forgiveness speaks of a repeated action. It's this ongoing action. See, we are what we repeatedly do, and God is a forgiving God because that's what he does. He constantly forgives those who come to him. Again, Psalm 32, verse 5 says, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. Again, that word, this, this intentional acts of sin. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you what? You forgave. Say, so he forgave. You forgave the iniquity of my sin. That shows us here, this, 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 this verse shows us that Confessing sin is an intentional act. It's an intentional choice that I make. I take ownership of my sin. I don't blame it on somebody else. I come to the Lord and I say, I have sinned. And when I do that, when I come in true and real brokenness, the Bible tells me, the Lord tells me from his word that I walk away forgiven. So the Lord forgives us, then the Lord heals us. He heals us. Look at verse 3 again. It says, who forgives all your iniquity and heals all your diseases. That word diseases reminds us that we live in a Genesis 3 world. That since sin entered the world, that human beings have needed healing physically and spiritually. Sin broke everything. And when God saves us, he heals us spiritually. We've talked about this in previous messages. He heals us by giving us a new heart. And from that new heart flows a love for God, flows a, a love for his people, flows compassion towards non-Christians, flows a desire to fight sin. One of the reasons when you, when you, you, you sin and, and you hate it, that is such a good sign. It's a sign that your heart, your heart is new, that you no longer want to live in that sort of way. There's a new desire that God has put there. So he heals our heart, and then there's a promise that he will heal our bodies. And that happens for some now and everyone later. We've talked about this before, but I want to show you. Philippians 3 verse 20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior. There's this reminder that this is not our home. 
that heaven is our home and that we are awaiting our Savior who will return, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what will he do? He will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Our body will be made like his body. We will be glorified. The pain that we're feeling, these rickety knees that I have from football will be made new. The the brokenness that you're experiencing, maybe from that disease that you are fighting with in your life, it will be gone. We will be made new. That is what the Bible promises us. And now you hear me say that and you may ask the question, why doesn't God heal everyone? Why is it that some get healing now and some get healing later? Why doesn't he just heal everyone? Well, in God's perfect wisdom, he knows by not healing a person that it's going to make their relationship with him deeper. And that is what he wants, this deep relationship with him. If God withholds healing, It's because our relationship with him is going to go deeper. We're going to mature in Christ and we are going to grow in holiness and character from it. And so you've got to know if God chooses not to heal you, he is not punishing you. That is not what is happening. He is using it to continue his work of transformation in in your heart and life. My mic's messing with me here and that just almost fell. But he's using it to work uh, good in us and he works these things in us so that we'll be able to comfort others in their struggle second corinthians uh, one three or four says bless blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ the father of mercies and the god of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which ourselves have been comforted by God. God works in us. He he uses the, the thing that he leaves us to struggle with and to grow us and mature us, but he also comforts us in the midst of it and so that we are able to comfort others. This is the the right theological way to think about trials and suffering. That God is truly working in it. That my suffering is never wasted. Never wasted. That from it, my maturity is going to grow and increase. That through it, I'm going to be able to comfort and help others. And that through it, if I respond in the right ways, God is going to be glorified in every single way, all through my life. And as we think about this being the right way to think about trials, it reminds us that this is the right way for us to think about this moment that we're in, this COVID moment, that that none of this will be wasted, that God is truly using it in ways that we can't even see and that we will see one day in, in amazing ways 
and, and that, that we need to bear up under this trial and continue to trust him. It's not going to be wasted. He's using it to make us more like Christ, to mature us. He is using it to rescue people from sin. He is using it to even bring his church to a place where we understand what the, the persecuted church feels sometimes. This, this reality that you, you can't gather together. He is, he is helping us and working in this moment more than we realize. It is not wasted. And so God heals us and he also redeems us. Verse four says, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. That, that word pit in scripture is used to describe the, the image of a trap, the image of a prison, the image of somebody in despair, the, the image of a grave. See, God has redeemed our life from many moral and spiritual pits. He has worked in us. And the greatest pit that he has redeemed us from is the pit of the grave. The pit of the grave. And that's what David is talking about here, that we've been redeemed from the grave. See, there was nothing good coming to us. We had nothing good to look forward to at the end of our life, but then God saved us. And all we have to look forward to now is more life. There's more life coming to us. Jesus says in John 11, says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, and that's the key, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. We will live. The question though is, do we believe this? Do I believe the word of Jesus Christ to me? Because when I do, there's this removal of the fear of death. Now, all of us have things that we fear. Some people fear flying. Some people fear bugs. Some people fear this virus that's going around right now. I am terrified of snakes. When, when I see a snake, something just happens in my body, but when it comes to death, the Christian has nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear at all. And in these times where so many people are fearing death, we, the Christian, looks at death and we say, death, where is your victory? We say, because of Jesus Christ, oh, death, where is your sting? It has no power over us. We will live because he, Jesus Christ, willingly died. We look forward to more life because he gave up his life for us. In these moments of fear, we as brothers and sisters in Christ can be filled with, with hope. The Lord redeems us. The Lord also crowns us. Verse 4 again, it says, He who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. We are crowned. We are crowned with the steadfast love of the Lord. We are, we are crowned with the mercy of the Lord. That word mercy could be translated compassion. We are crowned with God's compassion. God treats us in a way that we do not deserve. And we get this crown now. And believe it or not, there's more crowns to come. The Christian life is hard. It's a battle. My flesh rages. My flesh fights me as I seek to, to, to read the word or pray or fast, do things that will help me grow spiritually. The, my flesh fights. I've got a spiritual enemy, Satan, who, who throws darts at me, the, the scriptures say, that he's prowling like a lion seeking someone to devour. He's on the attack. He is after me, and that makes the Christian life hard for us. There's temptation. The culture puts things 
before us. We, we face so many challenges as we seek to follow and walk with Jesus, but it says that those who endure, that when we, when, we, when we push through, when we persevere, that we will receive the crown of righteousness. There's, there's trials that we, we face, but it says that when we, when we persevere through trials, we will receive the crown of life. There's, there's the call to be faithful elders, that when we are faithful in pastoring and shepherding the sheep that Jesus died for, when elders do their job well, that they receive the crown of glory. Crowning is a sign of God's favor. It's, it's God treating his people like kings. We get treated like kings because the king of kings was treated like a criminal. See, we get crowns put on us but it's only because he jesus christ became sin for us he took off his crown of honor and he allowed a crown of thorns to be put on his head in matthew in matthew 27 it says and twisting verse 29 and twisting together a crown of thorns they put it on his head and put a reed in his hand and kneeling before him they mocked him jesus was mocked saying, Hail, King of the Jews. The true king was treated like a criminal. We are crowned with love and mercy and compassion now only because he willingly received the crown of thorns in our place. And this crown that was placed on him, pressed on his head, is not the crown that he wears forever, though. In Revelation 6, 2, it says, And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and its rider had a bow, and a crown was given him. And he came conquering and to conquer. Revelation 14, verse 14 says, Then I looked and behold a white cloud and seated on the cloud, one like the son of man, with a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. At his return, the crown that Jesus Christ will wear will show and speak to the authority and the power that he has. And at his return, everyone will bow to his rule and reign. God crowns us with his attributes, these two attributes, with love and compassion, because this is the kind of people that he wants us to be. We're crowned with these because this is now the way he wants us to live. It says that we will be known by our love. God expects us to be a people of love and compassion to those who are around us, to live in the ways that he lives, to live like him. He crowns us. He also strengthens us. The Lord strengthens us. Verse 5 says, Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like eagles. We are renewed because of the things that the Lord gives us. We get this picture of an eagle soaring, this picture of strength and freedom. And the Christian is truly free. We are, we are free because we are no longer slaves to sin and renewal comes because God has given us gifts. He has given us the gift of prayer that I can be renewed as I unburden my soul to him in prayer, crying out to him. He's given us the gift of family, both my blood relatives and my spiritual family that brings renewal. There's the word that renews me as I open it and let the Lord speak into my life. There's laughter and good friendship that brings renewal. There's renewal that comes to me from being part of a healthy church family that loves God and serves each other and serves the community. There's rest 
rest that, that God gives me. When I rest like my father in heaven rest, renewal comes. There's the gift of service that I'm renewed actually when I serve others, not looking for people to just simply serve me. There's the gift of evangelism, the opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus Christ, to dialogue with them. And in that dialogue, to be challenged, to think deeply about our faith, to, to just settle in and realize how beautiful it is to, to follow Jesus and to tell people about Jesus Christ. That brings renewal. There's the gift of the Holy Spirit. He renews us. It says in Luke 11, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? In John 16, Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. We have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit and his ministry to us brings renewal as he gives us the desire to read the word, as he gives us the ability to understand and do the word. He gives us spiritual gifts that we can use to edify the body of Christ and help one another. He gives us, as he ministers to us, he gives us victory over sin as he provides us the way of escape, showing us always where we can, where we can escape sin's temptation, as he, he, he guided the, the putting down of scripture that we have in our hands today so we accurately have what God wants to say to us. He, he raises up leaders within the church, when we, and when those, those leaders minister effectively, it brings renewal to our hearts. See, the sending of the Holy Spirit was one of God's greatest gifts to us. Verses 3 to 5, what they do is that they teach us the thoughtfulness and the generosity of our God. Our Heavenly Father makes sure that you and I have everything that we need. Everything that we need. Not necessarily things that we want, but God makes sure we have everything that we need. And this is why David says, bless the Lord Oh, my soul. That's why in Psalm 13, it's verse 6, it says, I will sing to the Lord. Why? Because he has dealt bountifully with me. God has been good to us. And in times when it's hard to praise God, when praise is just not flowing out of us, what you and I are to do is we are to talk to ourselves more than we listen to ourselves. We are to engage in some good self-talk because when I review the benefits of God, the praise of God begins to flow from my lips. When I talk to my soul, I will be able to say like David, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. God has been good to us. And if you agree, say, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Father, we, we do bless you because you have been good. The benefits in our life, Lord God, are, are so many. And thank you that we've had this opportunity to review them, to, to, to look at them, to see all that you have done in us through your son, Jesus Christ. All of these things have come to us through faith in him. We thank you, Lord God, for your son who made all of this possible. We thank you, Lord God, for your generosity, your grace to us, your thoughtfulness to us. We praise you 
for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that we have much to be joyful about in these times. And we love you. We know you're carrying us. We know you're shepherding us. We know, Lord God, that you are Yahweh, the one who we can truly depend on, that you never leave us or forsake us. We praise you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.